Welcome to Into the Blue, a weekly look behind the scenes of the Tampa Bay Lightning with reporters Gabby Shirley and Chris Cran. Hello and welcome to the third episode of Into the Blue. I'm Gabby Shirley here with Chris Cran. We are touching on the games that happened over the past week. We talked to you one week ago and since then there's been a road game in Buffalo, an overtime loss, a home game against Vancouver, a win, and of course, the most recent game, a home game against Toronto, another overtime loss. Chris, you want to start us off with uh, those three games? Well, the first two will just be short uh, little tidbits. Yeah, with, with the games being, you know, the Tuesday game, obviously, in Buffalo being a week ago, we figured most of you guys have probably touched on those games and, and you're kind of past those. But in Buffalo, obviously, the Lightning lose in overtime. But I thought they did a good job responding after going down by two. Um, I thought the Skinner goal, the second goal of the game, you could kind of see how the Lightning are still working on learning the the defensive zone systems a little bit. And with Skinner kind of being left all alone on the back post, maybe some confusion in their own end. So we've seen that, you know, at different times throughout the year already, just trying to learn that system and maybe making some mistakes along the way. But I thought after going down 2 nothing, the way they scratched and clawed back into the game and obviously scoring with seven seconds left just to earn a point in that game, I thought was huge. Then we saw another three-on-three overtime that wasn't Where so good. Where the Lightning had no possession yeah. at all. Yeah, similar to the Toronto game, which, I, as you said, we'll, we'll dive more into. But good for them to get a point in that game, finish off the road trip. You know, I thought that was huge just to get one point. You didn't want to come home from that trip with no points. Um, you know, the trip probably didn't go the way they wanted to. But still, I thought that was a good building block going into the Vancouver game. And I thought they played really well against Vancouver. It was good for them to get back home, a place that they've played really well. Um, got some goal scoring, got Steven Stamkos back in the lineup as well. So I thought that was a good game for them. Uh, and then, as you said, we can just jump right into Toronto on Saturday, which was uh, at times the lighting looked great. And, you know, at the end, when the night ended, I think a lot of fans were players, coaches, everyone were, were very disappointed with the way um, really just the second half of the third period and the overtime went. Yeah, Chris, right. I, obviously reflect on the game, but I also reflect on my performance during the game. And for me, unfortunately, it was a good reminder just to stay like pretty level because after that first period with Nikita Kucherov just going off, I was thrilled. It was an awesome first period. After the second period, when we didn't allow them to score, we were holding on to that lead. I was still pretty high. And then Mm -hmm. the third period, it just all came crashing down. Yeah, it did. And I was feeling the same way as you. I thought, well, the beginning of the game was very nerve wracking, right? When Matthew sits the post, like immediately, I think it was his first shift of the game. And then Nylander scores pretty shortly after. Right. So you're kind of like, okay, let's, let's settle down here. That, that, this felt like the big, the first really big game of the season, aside from opening night, playing a team you played in the playoffs, a team that you know is going to be a serious contender this year. So when Toronto scored early, you're kind of wondering, okay, how are the Lightning going to respond? And then Kucherov gets the power play goal just about two minutes after uh, Nylander scored there. So that was great just to see the response. And I think the Lightning so far this year have been very good at responding, which has been really good to see. We've seen a lot in the past, too, with all the veterans they have and guys that have been through so much. I think when they go down, they're usually pretty level-headed and it's okay, and they know they can they can fight their way back into a game, similar to how we saw in Buffalo. But I think when once the third period rolled around and Nyes got that first goal to get Toronto back within one, it felt like a lot of people in the building had to be thinking, okay, like here we go again. 
um, you know, with the way things happened in the playoffs last year and the amount of times that Toronto was able to come back during that series and then win games in overtime and score late goals with the goalie pulled. Um, it, it was tough when he got that first goal. And you wonder if the if the team felt that way a little bit too at the time. Um, and then Nyes obviously gets a second one right away after that. And then it, it goes to overtime. And it felt like at that point, everything was just crashing down in the lightning. You would hope that they could come and get that second point. But typically when a team storms back like that um, in the fashion that Toronto did, it, it usually doesn't end well. Right. And we talked to players, John Cooper, after that game, Chris, I don't think anyone can pinpoint a reason as to what changed in that third period. Perhaps it was that first nice goal, and we both watched it. I watched it countless times yesterday, really trying to get a grasp of what happened. And I didn't hate the way the Lightning were covering there. Mm-hmm. It was just a good goal, but perhaps that was the momentum shift. And then the second goal, there was a bad turnover, and they got caught in change. Yeah, man, it's something we've seen probably too many times to start the year is just those some bad changes and and costly mistakes at, at big moments in the game. You know, we talked after John Cooper as well, and you try to find that balance of defending and, and protecting your own end, but then also, you know, still trying to press and produce some offense. And, you know, his response was, you have to play the same way for 60 minutes. And we've heard him say that over the years, right? You just have to keep playing the same way throughout the game. And Toronto, he felt like Toronto did that. They played a whole 60 minutes, felt like the Lightning didn't. But yeah, it was uh, that first shot was that was just a great shot, and I couldn't tell if it ramped up off Perbix's stick or not um, to beat Johansson, who played a, a fantastic game. But you know, it's a it, it was just a, a tough way to end the game against a team that I think they really wanted to beat, and it'll be interesting to see how they respond uh, going into this week because that was a kind of a gut wrenching loss, and I don't think the season has started maybe the way they've wanted to, but I also don't think it's started as bad as maybe some of the fans are making it out to be. I mean, they're, they're still floating at 500 right now and, you know, going into the year with no Vassy and, and all the new players. I think at the beginning of the year, if you said they were 500 through six games, it, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world, but maybe just the way they've gotten to this point has made people a little uneasy. For sure. That game was just, I just didn't expect it in that way. And again, I am looking for a reason or an explanation for that third period. And oddly enough, Chris, or maybe not oddly enough, these guys are professional hockey players, but I interviewed Zach Bogosian before the third, just about how they were going to lock it down there in the third period. And he said, he's like, this might be a cliche answer, but the best, in in so many words, the best offense is defense. Alex Barboule said that very same thing after the game. And then I asked Sergachev, really just honing in to make sure they were all really on the same page, if he felt like the team kind of held back, were almost too relaxed trying to defend that lead. Mm-hmm. And Sergachev said no. So they had, they knew what they had to do. It just didn't happen for them. Yeah, and it just felt like timely mistakes kind of at, at the wrong right. times of the game. And that change with, with Nyes getting the tying goal, we've seen that a few times this year now with the bad change and – and guys getting caught, and that's, you know, if you watch the first episode of Recharge with Cooper mic'd up during training camp, that's one thing he highlighted was we can't give up odd man rushes, cannot give up odd man rushes, and after the Vancouver game, he was thrilled because he said he didn't think they gave up any, yeah, not a single odd man rush, Yep. and so, you know, you hope they could build on that going into the Toronto game, um, you know, I think they've done a, a pretty good job, I thought they actually did a good job throughout the game of keeping most shots to the outside despite the volume that Toronto had I didn't feel like they gave up a ton of high quality chances they gave up some good chances for sure but that's going to happen against a team as skilled as Toronto Um, but 
in terms of the amount of shots they've given up, what are your thoughts on the volume of shots they're giving up? And, you know, I feel like the quality of chances maybe hasn't necessarily been there for the other team, but it's still, they've given up a lot of shots so far to start the season. Well, Chris, I might be stealing. I heard this from somewhere. This is not me. And it also seems so obvious. And when I heard it, I was like, oh my gosh, why didn't I think of it? It might even have been you, Chris, but perhaps our team's coming in here just wanting to throw anything and everything at the net Mm -hmm. because Andre Vasilevsky is not in there. Yeah, I think that that has to, that has to be part of the game plan for teams coming in and playing the Lightning early in the year. You know, the Lightning didn't know much about the goalies coming into the season, so I don't think the teams they're playing probably don't know anything about them, right? And, you know, when you're playing against a younger guy or a guy newer to the NHL, I guess I should say, you probably want to get as many pucks to the net as possible. So I think that's probably part of it. You know, shoot, shoot, shoot as much as we can. But, I mean, what was it, 52 shots yep. against Toronto? So I mean, I'm not letting the Lightning off the hook, but I just feel like perhaps it's less what they're doing and more what other teams are trying to do coming into this building. Yeah, and I wonder too, just is it, you know, with the with the changes they're making to the defensive zone, and we'll have to talk to John Cooper about this, but are they willing to give up more shots against if it means they're not giving up as many high danger chances, right? I would guess yes. Yeah, that, I mean, that's how it seems. I think that could be a positive way to look at mm-hmm. it. But if that's not the case and that's not what they want to do, then then things are really not going well in defensive zone, maybe worse than we have thought. So they, the, the shot volume against has been really high. Like I said, I think a lot of those shots have come from outside. And maybe, as you said, it is because, you know, of the inexperience they have in goal that teams are trying to get as many pucks to the net as possible. But I, I can't see a way they make it, you know, to the end of the year and have be where they want to be if they're giving up, you know, 35, 40, 45 shots a game throughout the year. That that has to be exhausting. So I think they probably want to buckle down on that a little bit. But going from the shots to the goaltending, Johansson, I thought, played great. Cooper thought he played great, obviously. He's been really, really good to start the season, hasn't he? He was the silver lining, if you will, uh, in a game that just ended horribly for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Yeah, he played extremely well the score would have been a lot worse if he wasn't in there doing Chris what we have seen him do in such a short time we only have a small sample size with him in a Tampa Bay Lightning jersey but we've heard it time and time again and how cool calm collected sorry I don't really like that phrase but truly he is in net Um, and he just looked like even more athletic in there perhaps at times he was a little bit robotic I thought in my opinion but he was making great saves. And yes, John Cooper, all of his teammates, they knew it. Yeah, I think that's a great point. He has looked more structured probably in the past games. And I think this game he had to make some really athletic saves. Like you said, it looked like Toronto was maybe targeting rebounds a little bit because it seemed like they shot the puck, the puck low quite a bit. But I thought he made a ton of really good pad saves, was kicking pucks out, which we know Vassie's really good at as well. And he gets the save percentage up to 902 now on the season, so he's over that 900 mark. I think he's played fabulous for the Lightning. Um, you, you would hope they could get a few more points out of it, but in terms of, you know, we've said this the whole time, with what they've gone into the season with, you, you couldn't ask for better from him and, and from the goaltending so far. So I think he's been really good. Uh, we'll see. We'll probably see a little bit more of Matt Tompkins and, you know, we're through six games already and it's coming near to the end of October and, you know, Vassie will be back before we know it. And I think 
Jonas has made a statement to this point where you can feel comfortable with him in the net. I totally agree. Yeah, I personally feel comfortable with him in the net, Mm -hmm. especially after seeing him face the Toronto Maple Leafs. All right, Chris, we're sticking to our time here. Let's get to our third topic. Let's look ahead to the game tonight against the Carolina Hurricanes and then touch on San Jose and Seattle. Go ahead. So we know we've seen this throughout the years playing against Carolina. It's another team that always has high shot volume, always. So going to be very interested to see how this game goes. Right now it looks like they're eighth in the league at 33.5 shots a game. But historically the past few seasons, the Lightning have given up a ton of shots to this team, and, and they like to come in and fire the puck. So We'll see how that goes. I, I would imagine there has to be an emphasis going into this game on, on defending, as there has been throughout the whole year. Um, but it, it's just unfortunate because I thought the Lightning actually played a pretty good game against Toronto up until, you know, that second half of the third did, period. but that's all I can think about yeah. is the second half of the third period. That's all anyone can think about. <laughs> yeah, so it, it'll be interesting to see how they respond. And um, they've been they've been going up, right? Like the trajectory yes. has been up, I think, Uh you know, since they came back in Buffalo, I thought that it was a really the the scoring wasn't there in the Buffalo game until pretty much the very end. But the effort level and just the way they were playing, it just looked a lot, a lot better. And same thing for the Vancouver game and and the Toronto game, too. I mean, look, they they lost the game in, in a very tough way at the end of the game. But like I said before, Toronto is a really good team. They're going to be right there at the end of it. And I thought the Lightning we're right there with them the entire game. And I think that's a really good sign this early in the season when you're picking up new things, you have all the new players, you have the new goalie in net. You know, I think when you lose that game, it's tough and it's it's easy to to be negative after a game like that. But they should feel okay with where they're at at this point in the season. And, you know, it's going to be another big test against Carolina because that's another team that very well could be right there at the end of the year too. I mean, they've been on the on the cusp of, you know, making it to the Stanley Cup final for a few years. They're a legit Stanley Cup contender. And then you get two Western Conference teams and the Sharks who have not had a good start to the season. They did not have a good year last year. They they lose Eric Carlson, who's probably their best player. They lost Timo Meyer as well, obviously traded him last year. So that's a team that, you know, especially when they're coming into Amelie, it's a home game against a team that you should be. So hopefully the Lightning can build some positive momentum against Carolina and just carry that into, into San Jose and Seattle hasn't had a great start to the year either. So I think that's two teams. The lightning should be, I mean, they're going to, they go into every game feeling like they can win. I think that's just the NHL, but um, Carolina is going to be the best or the biggest test of these three games. Um, and we've seen some, some tough games against them over the past few years. So it's good that they're home. You know, Cooper talked about that. It's, this is the longest they're going to be home all year and hopefully they can just, get comfortable a little bit. This is a place that they have to play well, as we've mentioned, if they're going to lose, you know, games on the road the way they did last year. It hasn't been a good start this year. They need to, need to, need to win on home ice. You said it. The Carolina Hurricanes are going to be the biggest test if you look at the next three games. But I'm excited that they're up next because I want to see how the Lightning play them in responding, right? They didn't like the game against Toronto, how it ended. So how do they respond here? And how does that stack up against a really good team in the Carolina Hurricanes? So I'm excited for the game tonight. I think it's going to be a good one. Yeah, I think that's what I'm most excited for as well, just to see how they can respond after a loss that was really tough against a team they really wanted to beat. And we'll see what kind of what kind of practice day they have on Monday going into the game. 
Um, but it's a team that has responded pretty well in the past and been able to bounce back. So they have good leadership in there, and we'll see what happens against a, a really good opponent. Beautiful. We are now going to our second segment. It started out as the Lightning Line, but we've already changed the name. It is called the Blue Line. And Chris, you have a exciting update for everyone, huh? Yeah, so we've been collecting questions on X for the first couple weeks here that we've been doing it. We talked about, obviously, it being a line. It's supposed to be a voicemail line. So we do officially have a voicemail line set up for our listeners, the Blue Line. The phone number is 813-301-6749. Again, it's 813-301-6749. So fans... Feel free to call that number. We'll have a voicemail box set up. You guys can leave your questions at that number. We'll play the audio on the podcast. So feel free to, you know, if you want to lead into the question with some of your thoughts about how the Lightning have been playing recently or why you're asking the question, we think it'll just be a fun way for more fans to get involved and um, leave some messages for us. So excited to have that going. And hopefully next week we'll be able to play some of that audio. But for now, we collected more questions on X. Should I start by asking you? Oh, yeah, because I got to I gotta set some things straight here. <laughs> Gabby has to clear the air. So the first question comes from Autumn, and the question is, what has been the most unexpected part of recording the podcast? Autumn, thank you so much for giving me this platform <laughs> to explain myself. For anyone and everyone who listened to episode two, I was in Buffalo. Where was I? Buffalo. So I was doing it remotely, if you will. I had a wonderful brand spanking new microphone that apparently picks up literally any teeny tiny noise I would make. There was some weird banging or I don't even know how to describe it, but it was very noticeable in episode two of Into the Blue. It was coming from my end. I'm pretty sure it was my headphone wire like hitting the table. Guys, I talk with my hands. I move around. I get really excited. So that wire was definitely moving, and I think the microphone was picking up that noise. So I'm so sorry. Chris and I are in Tampa together right now, and I don't have that problem, <laughs> and I will fix it in the future. So again, Autumn, the most unexpected part of rec recording the podcast is how fancy my equipment is, and I just literally cannot make any sudden movements because everyone will hear them. Only the best quality equipment. I think a lot of people thought you were wearing bracelets. I think Gabby <laughs> is not. Gabby is smart enough that if she was wearing these metal bracelets and they were clanking around, she would have noticed. So it was it was very subtle. It was I, we think it was her just cord of her headphones. But the microphone is really sensitive. But I think most fans would agree it was not that distracting. It was just a small noise. And I think you could have got through the podcast to listen to it still and enjoyed it. It wasn't something where you had to turn the podcast off. So not too big of a deal. But I'm annoyed because I didn't notice it, guys. I obviously noticed it when I listened back. And I do have to tell you, a BTS, there was a point where I thought it could be sneaky and kind of get up. My phone was dying. I was timing out the podcast. I wanted my charger. I thought I was being quiet. Chris immediately is like, what are you doing over there? And we had to redo it. So again, it, it's all on me. All right, moving on. This question for Christopher is from Steph. What can the Lightning do to improve defensively and learn to close out a game? Yeah, that's the million-dollar question right now for the season is how, how can they get better defensively? And it's just it's going to take time as, as much as that answer kind of sucks. You know, I mentioned this, I think on maybe the first episode of the podcast, but 
or it could have been last week, but when we talked to Julian Breezebois, and again, I can't remember if it was the start of the playoffs last year or at the end of the season, he told us that with the new guys they brought in, they didn't feel last season that they were going to be, you know, firing on all cylinders until around Christmas time. Um, that was their goal was was to be good around Christmas, be kind of hitting their stride, and and he felt that they did, and they, they kind of struggled out of the gates a little bit. Now there's even more turnover on the roster, and they're tweaking the defensive zone more than they have in years, right? Since John Cooper arrived. Yeah, so it's it's going to take time, and I think Steven Stamkos did a really good job kind of explaining it on Saturday morning, or it couldn't have been Saturday morning. It must have been Friday at practice. Um, regardless of when it was, we, we kind of asked him about, you know, how that whole process is going with learning the new system. And, you know, keep in mind, you're, you're trying to bring in these new players, develop chemistry with those guys. They're all trying to learn a brand new system. And then the guys that are here and that are comfortable, they're trying to learn the new system too. So there's a lot of learning going on. Um, and he said it as it's just continuing to get better obviously we've you know thrown some wrinkles in some of the systems that we're deploying out there and it takes time it doesn't happen overnight so the more reps we get the more comfortable and the more it just becomes reads on the ice rather than a lot of thinking so i think the guys have done a much better job the last couple of games of gaining more confidence in some of those areas and then it's execution as, as well um we had some some really good chances the last couple of games so they'll, they'll they'll start to go in for us i think it's just going to take some time and and with reps that's going to come and we know this too like talking to guys after the preseason and in training camp you know going into the season like there's nothing like game reps right it, you can practice as much as you want and it's valuable obviously that's why they do it but I think you learn the most in the game and you learn from the mistakes that you made there's no doubt the lightning watch that film from the Toronto game and they're going to say this is where we messed up and and guys will know that going into the next game so there's going to be some bumps along the road but you know in terms of people saying they should go back to what they were doing before it was working um, I have full faith in in John Cooper and his staff like I think Coop is the longest tenured head coach in the NHL he's already one of the most successful in the history of the NHL he's going to be a hall of fame coach he deserves the benefit of the doubt and I think that just give it some time. If if they didn't need to make a switch, I don't think they would have done it. Like you have to, a lot of times you see these coaches in the NHL, fan bases turn on coaches and, and players block coaches out because they don't evolve with the game and they get stuck in their old ways and get stuck in what they do and think that's the only thing that can work. I respect John Cooper and his coaching staff for trying to evolve and stay with, you know, the, the development of the NHL, I guess, and how the game is changing so it's going to take some time. Hasn't maybe looked the best so far at times throughout the year. But I think, like I said, Cooper probably deserves the benefit of the doubt. And they'll figure it out. It's just going to take time. They, they need the reps and it needs to become second nature. And it's still early. So we'll see what they can do. But I think the main thing is just time and reps. And it should get better. So closing out games, um, that needs to get better, though. They, they need to... You know, like I said, it was kind of flashbacks in the Toronto game, thinking back to the the series last year and, and the late leads they gave up. And in the past, the years the Lightning won those those back-to-back -back cups and even the Colorado year where they made it to the final, it felt like if they went into the third period with a one-goal lead, like that was it. And, and the team wasn't going to, the other team wasn't going to score. So just have to tighten up a little bit defensively and get better at closing out these games. But I think as the year goes on, uh, they should improve in that regard.
It's been six games. It's not the end of the world. Yes. We are moving on to plus minus. Ooh. Great. My favorite segment. Maybe other people's favorite segment, even though it gets a little off hockey sometimes. But I started last week. So you will start this week with your plus. My plus is actually hockey related. You know, I've been all over the map, but my plus is the Tampa Bay Lightning goaltending coach, Franz Jean. He coached in his 1000th NHL game on Saturday against the Toronto Maple Leafs. I had the honor of chatting with him prior to that game, and it was just a brief conversation. Um, But of course, I started with the cliche question, what does this mean to you? And he said he has heard from coaches, players, that sometimes those big milestones, they don't always mean a lot. But for him, he said from when he was very, very young, he was never, for lack of a better term, expected to be in the NHL, not as a player, not as a coach. So he really feels that his journey to this point, he defied the odds. Um, He thought this milestone was incredible I could see it written all over his face he was really really proud and obviously we have seen what he has been able to do with the Tampa Bay Lightning being the goaltending coach for Andre Vasilevsky and even for these two new goaltenders this season so it was just an amazing night for him I was so proud for him and honored I got to talk to him that's my plus that is a fantastic plus and what a great guy he is um one of the best people you'll meet, right? Yes. In the Lightning organization, always Being in a great nicest. mood. Just, mm-hmm. oh, God. I, uh, Chris, hopefully he doesn't mind me saying this, but I've caught him sometimes prior to morning skates, practices, getting a little workout in. He's always singing. <laughs> <laughs> and he's a beast in the workouts, too. But he's one of those guys that if you walk past him, um, no matter what, he'll say hello, right? Yes. Like, he, And he'll have a smile on his face, always a joy to see him, and it goes to show why he's been with the organization for so long. He's a glue guy, I think, with the coaching staff and works great with the goaltenders. They all love him. So congratulations to him. A thousand games. That's that's a lot of games in the NHL. So well-deserved for him. Your turn, Chris. Yeah. What is your plus? My plus this week is special teams. Think, Ooh, yeah. yeah. The, the Lightning have been very good on special teams to start the season. The penalty kill right now is sitting at 92.3% as of Monday morning, seventh in the NHL, um, and it looks like third in the Eastern Conference behind only Boston and Buffalo. So 92.3% on the penalty kill is excellent. I think they've been great in that regard. Really, really good on the penalty kill. Like They have not given up great chances. And we have a lot of new guys in there too. Yeah, a ton of new guys playing on the penalty kill, including the goalie, which is probably the most important of your penalty killers. And also at times, you know, we've seen some major penalty killers like in the box. We've seen Chernak take a few penalties. Sergachev's taken a few. So they've done it even with some of their best penalty killers in the box. Sorelli and Hagel, just like an unreal penalty killing unit. We, we heard Gabby's um, hit on Bally about them being roommates. So maybe <laughs> some of that time at home is, you know, clicking on the ice. But they look like truly one of the, the top penalty killing you know, pairs in terms of forwards in the NHL right now. And you think about the Toronto game when Hagel had that great chance, and then he pins the puck behind the goal, single-handedly killed off probably 20-ish to 25 seconds of that, of that power play for Toronto. So great job by the penalty kill. And then the power play too. I mean, right now, the power play overall is 35% right now, which is fourth Oof. in the NHL. And that's after 
going, I, I believe it was 0 for 6 in the two games they were without Stamkos. And, you know, it goes to show you how big of a weapon he is on the power play. And I said this before, but even if he's not the one taking the shot, teams have to respect that he's there. They know he's there, and it, they have yeah. to shift in that direction, allowing other players on that power play unit to have more space. Exactly, and I think we saw that with with Kucherov's first power play goal when him and Point were able to just go that quick little give-and-go passing exchange. When Stamkos was out, teams were smothering Point uh, in, in the bumper there, so... With Stamkos there, teams have to respect that. Gives Point a little bit more space. He's able to work it with Cooch. Cooch on the power play is just so good. Like he's that is a guy that that is his like bread and butter, his skill, and it, having him on the power play is just a huge advantage. But how about this? The games that Stamkos has played, their power play is seven for 50 percent power play percentage. They've scored a power play goal every game he's played. They've scored. Two, goal, two power play goals against Nashville, one against Detroit, two against Vancouver, two against Toronto. Chris, you nailed it. It's that dynamic that having all of those weapons on the ice at the same time creates. It is unstoppable, essentially. Yeah, and you have to score power play goals, particularly in the playoffs. Special teams end up being huge. Lightning have had one of the best power plays in the NHL for forever now, it feels like. As Cooper said, when you have that top three up there with whether it's Hedman or Sergachev, you know, having one of those two defensemen, Stamkos, Kucherov, that is a lethal three guys on your power play, and then it helps when you have a guy that scored, what, 51 goals in the bumper. So special teams have been great for the lighting. I think that's a great sign. Just have to get a little bit better at five-on-five, five, and that's something we know they can do. So my plus is special teams. And now your minus, which I don't know, and I'm very excited to hear. I hope I do my minus justice because it is a serious minus. Let me set the stage by telling everyone <laughs> that I live in a house with my husband and our dog. And this house sits at the end of a dead end road. So there's like my house and then maybe two other homes and that's it. So traffic is minimal. Rarely any cars at any time of the day. All right, now it's happened twice. It happened on Saturday night, or I guess you could say Sunday morning after the Toronto game. So I was already in a bad mood. 4.30 in the morning, my dog, she doesn't really bark, is barking. (laughs) I bolt up in my bed. I am, what is happening? Again, this is the second time this has happened. There is a car in our driveway dropping off something that I ordered on Amazon at 4.30 (laughs) in the morning. Honestly, it was less alarming at that time because it did happen a couple weeks ago at like 9.30 at night. And we were awake. My husband saw multiple people with flashlights outside of our door, thought we were getting robbed. It was a whole thing. I should also add, my husband owns a fence company. We have a great gate, but right now it's broken. So the gate's been open. So cars can pull right on up, right outside the front door. But why is anyone delivering packages when it's dark outside? Wait, so the flashlight people were Amazon? The flashlight people, it was from... Uh, a company, not Amazon. So I don't know why it was this like alternative delivery system. Mm. I figured it would be like FedEx or UPS. But the second time, Saturday night, Sunday morning, was Amazon. Amazon has, they're taking over the world. I mean, we're all going to be owned. But in a bad way. Why (laughs) are they delivering packages at this time of night? Well, I will say if you really need something, it is convenient. But it is 
crazy. Like this is this is a whole new thing in our lifetime when you think about it. When have you Why ever gotten put a package it at that in time? In the mailbox, which is mm. on the street. Well, was it a big package? No, it was a tank top. Mm. Yeah, that's small, a good question. Very small. Well, at least you know you have a good watchdog in Rosie. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh yeah. Then we were up for 30 minutes giving Rosie treats. So oh, yeah, that's tough. I, I have used that delivery service a few times, but yeah, you can't be waking the people up. You got to be stealthy. Maybe wear like an all black, like ninja suit, you know? I also, again, guys, my situation is a little bit more unique because there's never traffic. But if I was the delivery person, I wouldn't want to be approaching someone in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, no, I agree. Okay. Yeah, that's a good minus. I like that. <sighs> Typically, Gabby and I go into this with, we try to keep our pluses and minuses to ourselves throughout the week. That way it can be a surprise. But Gabby knows my minus this week, <laughs> unfortunately. But it's a good one, so I couldn't I couldn't uh, trade it out for something else. So my minus, sponsored by Listerine, is poor personal hygiene, particularly bad breath. <laughs> That's my minus for the week. So I've always um, been someone who looks after my personal hygiene, as I feel most people should. Guys, I got... Well, this is actually probably could be taken the wrong way, but I got Chris like a ton of gum for Christmas. Not because he has bad breath, but because he always <laughs> chews it. Okay. It, which also was like one of the best gifts I got for Christmas because it was so thoughtful. And yeah, Gabby got me three of like the index card packages of gum with like, what is it? Like maybe 20 pieces probably or something. There's a lot. But I also ate a lot of the gum that I gave yeah, you. So it was a go. great gift. But Gabby and I, the reason that was such a great gift is it was very thoughtful. And Gabby and I both like when we go into the locker room to talk to players or whether we're going to Coach Cooper's press conference, it's almost every single time before that happens, I'm asking Gabby, do you have a piece of gum? Or Gabby's asking me, do you have a piece of gum? We are so close in proximity to these players and coaches and other media members that I don't want to go in there having bad breath for the sake of everyone there. Listen, we all get bad breath sometimes. It happens. We all <laughs> eat some garlic every now and again, drink some soda. Maybe it makes your breath a little bad, but you have to be cognizant of the people around you and... Um, there have just been times where we have unfortunately been standing next to some people that could have used one, two, maybe seven sticks of gum <laughs> during those press conferences. So my minus big time personal hygiene, like I said, particularly breath. Guys, just come on. Gum's cheap. Mouthwash is cheap. Just be cognizant of others. You don't want to be the guy with or girl with bad breath. You don't want to, you know, you don't want to be the stinky person. So... <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Okay, yeah, my two points on this, I can keep going because, yeah, this is this is a thing for us. But also, Chris, let's be honest. We are going into their space. Mm -hmm. They probably are trying to get out of there quick or don't want to answer a tougher question. The least you could do is not be just mm. throwing coffee breath in their direction. And the second thing, because I talked to Eric Chernak on the bench before the Toronto Maple Leafs game. I am literally one inch from his face yelling a question at him. Right. I brushed my teeth four times that day already <laughs> just in case. Yeah, you have to. It's You are so close to these players. Mm. And as I mentioned, so close to other reporters too. If I can smell your breath in a locker room <laughs> filled with stinky hockey equipment after a game of... We 18 people, problem. yeah, going around skating, sweating. Like, if I can smell your breath, there's an issue. So um, <laughs> let's all, 
maybe uh, we could put together like a fund and, and get some a big uh, collection of mint gum for. We'll pass members. it out before we mm-hmm. enter said locker room. And that is it for Into the Blue episode three. We hope you guys are enjoying and we will see you next Tuesday. Bye. Follow Lightning Radio on social media at Bolts Radio. And don't forget to hit subscribe in your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode of Into the Blue.